Hello. We want to thank you for joining our Living Messiah family by downloading this podcast. We hope it blesses you and enriches your life. We also want to encourage you, uh, if you can, and if your heart is so moved, to support this ministry by going on our website, livingmessiah.com, and donating to help us to put these podcasts in every nation, every place, so we can bring these messages to change lives, to help people grow in the Word of God. Once again, thank you so much for being part of our family. Shalom. Okay, welcome to our Tuesday night Torah class. We have a few new people. That's always good. <laughs> um, beg your pardon? No, <laughs> we do muffins on Shabbat, but we don't have muffins. I don't have the muffin lady with me. No, but we've got a lot of nice cake and things over there. Some, some nice strawberry rhubarb pie, so it's pretty good over there. Oh, that's a good idea. Okay. Let me open in prayer. Well, Father God, thank you for the good day today. Thank you for the, the nice weather. Um, thank you for this group of people that decided to take time out of their schedule to come and study your Torah. And I'd ask, Father God, that you would uh, bless us, bless our discussion tonight, that you would uh, help us to learn from each other, just uh, work in our hearts. I know you have something for each of us to take away that'll... Uh, Help us to know you a little bit better. Help us to understand why, uh, why you'd like us to behave in certain ways, why you'd like us to be obedient, and what a blessing it is to do the Torah. And I just uh, ask that you bless us for this evening. In Yeshua's name, amen. Okay, so as you know, we've been working through the book of Leviticus. Um, and we've, we go as far as we can go. We, this, we do an hour and a half. And at the end of an hour and a half, I kind of pick a place and we stop and we just pick up there from on the next week. And I always like to go back and at least talk for a minute or two about what we did last week. In Leviticus, we've been going through this, uh, this chart. And I, I like to talk about the chart. It's, uh, I've, 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 uh, Leviticus, to me, is a very challenging book. It's hard to, uh, hard to get your hands around it. There's a lot of passages that you read, and you just say, I don't understand that at all. Uh, it's also, I've, I've uh, noticed that there's very little action in the book of Leviticus. Stories are really nice, and whenever the stories are there, you can learn a lot from them. There aren't very many stories in Leviticus. It's mostly just statements. Um, but anyway, this group that's uh, online called thebibleproject.com has done a whole bunch of really nice videos for not only the books of the Torah, but the, all the Bible. And it's really worth spending some time on their website. But they, um, they have this drawing that they do, and they talk about the drawing whenever they're, you know, the, the little video shows them doing this drawing and what they're discovering. And we've discovered that the book of Leviticus is uh, set out in what they call a chiastic form, which is chi is the Greek letter X. And so Leviticus is designed to point to a very central point. And we've started at the beginning, and we find that that central point that's the, the center of Leviticus is the instructions on the Day of Atonement. So a couple weeks ago, we talked about the Day of Atonement, and now we're on the bottom part of the X and kind of spreading back out again. And um, it started out in the beginning where uh, Moses couldn't enter the tent, the tabernacle, because... Uh, God's glory was in it, and by the time we get to the end of the book, Moses goes in the tent. Just a second, we've got a, we've got a question from Joe. Wait. It should work. There we go. 
No question. Last week we prayed for my son and his mother that yes. they will find a place to live. Yep. And they have found a place. Now, whether or not it goes through, only God knows. Yep. But they have found a place. And one thing is right across the street from where I live. Yep. So. Uh, they keep an eye on you. Yeah, that's what he said. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I But anyway, uh, the prayers is uh, we need to just keep praying that God's will will be done in this. And uh, that. But they have found a place. Praise the Lord. That's great. Praise the Lord is right. Okay. Oh, here comes a, another one. Anyway, where we are now, and with all of that by way of background, is we're uh, in Leviticus chapter uh, 20. But before we start on chapter 20, I wanted to go back and review chapter 19 for a few minutes. Leviticus chapter 19 is where we stopped. And uh, even my, you know, I, I use the nearly inspired version just because it's easy to read from. And the title, the subtitle for the book, for chapter 19 in Leviticus is Various Laws. So it's kind of a, a hodgepodge of things. But we went through it and we understood a lot of things. One of the surprising things in chapter 19 was uh, this idea of uh, love your neighbor as yourself. I remember when I read that in Leviticus 19, I thought, well, I thought, that, I thought it was Yeshua that said that. I didn't think that was in the Old Testament, but there it is. It talks about... Don't hate your brother. And you remember Yeshua talked about, uh, you've heard it said, thou shalt not murder, but I say even if you hate your brother in your heart. Uh, so that's there too. And you'll find out that um, this whole section in chapter 19 was kind of a repeat of the, uh, of the Ten Commandments, a little different form, a little different verbiage. Toward the end of uh, chapter 19, they got into some of these things about keeping things separate. Um, in verse 19 of chapter 19, it says, Keep my decrees. Do not mate different kinds of animals. Do not plant your field with two kinds of seed. And do not wear clothing woven of two kinds of material. And we talked about that a little while, trying to understand what that meant. And I spent a good part of the week kind of noodling on that and doing some reading and messing around. And I kind of came up with two... I didn't come up with them. I was, I read about, I saw some writing about a couple of ideas about this. And one of the things has to do with God's desire for Israel to remain separate. You know, he, he intends, this whole concept of separateness is very important. Whenever we use the word holy, the holy, the word holy literally means set apart. And you know, remember we've gone through a whole bunch of stuff about how, what it means to be Spirit are ritually clean, ceremonially clean, and how um, it's said two or three times, God says the priest's job, the job of the priest, is to teach the people the difference between clean and unclean and between holy and common. So this need to be separate is real important. So um, in, in looking at that and reading some stuff, um, I thought, I've got an idea too, but I thought I'd ask you, what, what do you suppose, why do you suppose God is so insistent that Israel be separate? It, it, his idea is that Israel needs to be separate from the nations. I figured you guys probably have an idea too, and then I'll give you what I found out. Joe's got an answer. Joe's got an answer. I thought you did. Okay. Because God said, be a holy nation, and uh, this... Uh, uh, putting the two cattles 
two different seats, that's a separation. That's a, a thing that will uh, mix stuff up. Yeah. Well, that was the idea. The idea was behind those instructions was to be an object lesson about don't mix, right? Keep separate. Don't it, mix. It's like what I was talking to my sister back here behind me that the Bible says to be not unequally yoked with an unbeliever. That's similar, and, yeah. And I was, I was thinking, uh, I'm reading this uh, book on uh, Jonathan Kahn on the parking, or how you pronounce it, mm -hmm. and about King Abhab and Jezebel, mm -hmm. and uh, where uh, he, uh, King Ahab, uh, confessed his sins up to a point, but it wasn't a deep-seated confession or a turn to faith mm -hmm. because they were worshiping, they were Baal worshipers. Yep. And so uh, when God says, you know, I, uh, you're to be a holy nation, that means you cannot have any stuff in the holiness that would condemn or yep. that would con uh, uh You're right, uh, but I want to know why. Why does God think that's important? Because if, if he says you'd be a holy nation and you bring in different gods and different everything else, they're going against God's rule and his regulations. Mm -hmm. You can't have a contempt. You can't uh, uh, bring stuff in that is contradiction to word. Yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a holy nation. Okay, let's let somebody else talk about it. That's that's pretty much it. Anybody else have a thought? John does. It seems like he likes to work with smaller groups of people and delegate that authority to them and have mm -hmm. them go do it. So you could look at it as the nation of Israel to the 70 nations or the tw the Levites to the 12 tribes or mm -hmm. the original firstborn of the of Israel. So I don't know. I just think he... He likes to... Uh, do he likes to have separation groups. from the masses, I think. Yeah. yeah. And then, but, he, but he has a, a group that he works to. I guess he just thinks that works better. Okay. We got... Oh, okay. Go for it. Uh, Yahweh is setting up these hedges of protection for Israel against the rampant corruption and intense evil going on in all these other tribes. All these other societies, if right, you will. Right, he's yeah. trying to, yep. to, to protect them from being corrupted by, by what's going on all around them. Yep, that's really, the I think, the main reason. But we have some another thought over here. Well, that's all right. Go for it. <laughs> um, I was just going to say that uh, my understanding is that he wanted to bless a nation to show that he is God. And mm -hmm. had they obeyed him, then all the other nations would have seen mm -hmm. the blessings that, that flowed because oh, of that. That's exactly right. Because it even says, you know, yeah. he wants Israel to be the kind of a nation where others see them and they say, this nation must have a great God because look how, how well they're doing and how prosperous they are and that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's, it's essentially that. He, he understands that in order for them to succeed in their mission, they need to remain separate because if they don't remain separate, I think the main thing is, is and he said this over and over again too, they will give in to the temptation of the, as you say, the evil societies around them. And as a matter of fact, they did. They did it in spades, right? You were talking about Jezebel and Ahab. 
That's, that was her stock in trade, right? Was teaching, she was a Baal worshiper and she got three quarters of the country uh, to do Baal worship. And her husband was kind of out to lunch, busy, you know, doing wars and stuff like that. John, did you have something? Well, just one more thought about Abraham or Abram in chapter mm -hmm. 12. It doesn't say he'll bless him. He'll bless those who bless him and curse those who curse him. So to me, that encourages him to go out and, in a practical way, show why he has a why he calls Yahweh the his creator or his, yep. his Elohim. Yep. One of the things I got out of my looking around is that it's hard for us to put ourselves in the uh, social climate that they were in. As a matter of fact, it's impossible. But we can think a little about it. And it was a uh, you know it was a polytheistic society. They had all these different gods, and some of them almost well all of them were uh, not particularly nice, you know, and we're going to talk about a couple of them here in a while. And uh, God was insistent on showing them who the true God was, and he chose Israel to be that tool. And in order for them to be that tool, they couldn't mix with these other societies because God's real insistent about that too. What's the, the single, I'll, I'll put it this way to see if you can guess, what's the single most negative attribute God gives himself? Jealousy. He says, I am a jealous God. You know, I don't want any other gods beside me. There, there, there's just me. And so if you start mixing in Christmas trees and some of this other stuff, this is not what God wants. That's not how you keep separate, you know. Who has the mic? Okay, Joe. You're hogging in, the mic. In, in light of what we've been talking about, this thing, and I just noticed some words here in verse 19. It says, uh, Two kinds of stuff mingled together. Mm -hmm. And so if God up here says, uh, when uh, the Lord spoke unto Moses, saying, speak to all the iteration, I am the Lord your God, turn you against idols. And then it comes down here. You cannot mingle two different things either. It's one or the other. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. You can... Um so anyway, I think that's a real important, this, if, if nothing else, there may be more to these, uh, uh, you know, don't mix different kinds of uh, yarn in the same fabric and all this. There may be more to that than that, but certainly that's enough. That's an object lesson that teaches that it's real important that Israel maintain its separateness because it's not going to be able to bless other nations if it doesn't remain separate. And like I say, the history shows that that's exactly where they failed. The other one I wanted to talk about, because this one kind of struck me as interesting too. You remember in chapter 18, chapter 18 was just a long list of forbidden sexual relationships, right? Don't, don't go to bed with your sister, don't go to bed with your mother and all this kind of stuff. I mean, all of it is pretty much obvious to us today, but he felt that, well, and what, do you remember what the reasons he had for not doing that were? They, he said it in the paragraph at the beginning of chapter 18 and in a paragraph at the end of chapter 18. What he said was, it was these things that got the people kicked out of the nations that you're going to, of the land you're going into. The people that live, that currently live in the land that I'm giving to you do these things and it defiled the earth and uh, the earth is, the way it put it, is vomiting them out and you are going to go go take the land. I'm giving you the land that they got ejected from for doing these things. Um, so I thought that was kind of important, but the, the point that I read that I, I found interesting is that it's those kind, 
If you read those kind of uh, relationships and what's going on in there, they're destructive to the family. You know, the, the family was, was, well, family still is the, the core kind of building structure of society. And the, God has a design for the family where you have a, a mother and a father and the kids and, and you know, it, it, it behaves um, biblically. It, it behaves in the way that's described there. That is the negative of the way because the way that's described is things not to do. But anyway, uh, I think, or this, the, the thing I read said that the reason God feels strongly about that is because when you do that, you're basically eroding the fiber of the family, and it's only a matter of time before the family becomes dysfunctional, and then if enough families become dysfunctional, society becomes dysfunctional. I thought that was kind of interesting. Anybody have any thoughts on that? Fine. We'll move on then. We're, that puts us in chapter 20, and the reason I wanted to talk just a moment about chapter 18 this goes after 18 lists all those relationships that are not allowed. And chapter 20 pretty much repeats the list but tells you what the punishment is if you do those things. And it's funny that they didn't put them in the same chapters, but they didn't. So let's do chapter 20 and read about these things and see if we can get a better handle on some of this. Let me see here. Well, let's do just the first the first five verses and talk about them for a minute because I wanted to talk about this. Somebody want to read the first five verses of chapter 20? Leviticus 20? You got the microphone, you might as well. Okay. Uh, five, one through five? Yep. And Yahweh spoke to Moshe saying, Say to the children of Israel, any man of the children of Israel or of the strangers who so sojourn in Israel, who gives any of his offspring to Molech shall certainly be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. And I, I shall set my face against that man and shall cut him off from the midst of his people because he has given of his offspring to Molech so as to defile my set-apart place and to profane my set-apart name. And if the people of the land at all hide their eyes from the man as he gives any of his offspring to Molech, and they do not kill him, and I shall set my face against that man and against his clan, and shall cut him off. And all who go whoring after him, even go whoring after Moloch from the midst of the people. Okay, so this brings up Molech. We mentioned him. He came up before in chapter 18, I think. So I went and did some research on that, and that's a pretty unpleasant subject, old Molech. Um, but one of the things I found out, uh, again, most of these gods had um, a location that was known to be theirs, if you will. As a matter of fact, that was one of the things that made uh, our God, Yahweh, different, was that he was with the people. And when the people went, he went with the people. Whereas a lot of these gods ended up, or the, the, the other gods, the, they, quite frankly, they were you know, demons, were the... Uh, they would reside in a community, more or less, and it's not clear whether they went with them or not, but the community never left anyway. But I digress. <laughs> do you know where Molech came from? Or do you know uh, what people Molech started with? Who? Babylonians. Chaldeans. Nope. Nope. You're close, though. Ammonites. Oh, Ammonites. Ammonites. 
Now, do you know who Ammon was? Ammon? He was the, uh, one of the sons of Lot? Yeah, he was the second son of Lot. Lot had two daughters, and the two daughters, you know, after they got evicted from Sodom and Gomorrah because it got nuked, uh, the two, the, the family, which consisted at that point of time in Lot and his two daughters, were in a cave, and uh, the daughter said, you know, said, we're never going to find husbands up here. Um, we ought to, if, if we want to have family, we better do it now. And so they got their father drunk and they took turns and went to bed with him. And they both got pregnant. The first daughter had um, Moab, a son that she named Moab. And that's who the Moabites were. And the second one had a son named Ammon. And that's who the Ammonites were. And by the way, that Ammon is the same Ammon that's the capital of Jordan today. And that's the same people. That's all one big straight line that goes all the way back from a place you can find on the map today and go right back to Lot. Um, anyway, Molech was known to be a god of the Ammonites. That, that's where he came from, if you will. And the uh, Molech had this, they, they had this, uh, different renditions, all of them pretty horrible. But in general, the big bronze altar that they would build a big fire in and get it all nice and hot, and they would take babies and lay them in the altar, and the baby would just burn to death. Um, gross. I mean, that's just, no wonder God finds it detestable, right? And so you can see why he says, any Israelite or alien living in Israel who gives any of his children to Molech must be put to death. Pat. Um, Mark Biltz mentions that Solomon had married all these wives and they worshipped Molech. Yep. So Solomon's own sons by these wives probably were yep. offered to Molech. Yep. Yep. He uh, should have been there were There were Israelite stone. kings that worshipped Molech. So this Molech thing was, uh, was more common than we'd certainly like to think of. Yeah. I'd just like to say that um, a lot of the Indian tribes in the Americas here also did the sacrificing, and, and they're no more. Mm -hmm. They are no more. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, we doesn't, yeah, we doesn't like it. Yep, yep. Well, you can see that. Well, from our standpoint, maybe it's just because we're godly in quotes. This is just a, uh, a grotesque and absurd thing to do. But you know, one of the things I found out in looking at this is this is typical of the way the adversary works, is it, in order to really be meaningful, it needed to be the firstborn son. Now, who do we know that puts special emphasis on the firstborn son, right? I mean, you know, right, the firstborn son belongs to me, but this is not the way God intended it to be, of course. But this is an example of the kind of evil uh, forces that were existing in the world at that time that were able to take what God wanted and pervert it in such a way that it was, this is why God said you got to be separate. This is why he said you can't be having, and you'll notice down there, I'm, I'll let you talk in a second. You'll notice down there it says, not only do you kill that guy, but if I catch anybody that doesn't, doesn't do that, if I catch anybody that looks the other way when this is going on, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut them off too. So he says you need to, you, know, you don't tolerate this. John. So uh, the question I ask is, who thought this up? I mean, they're sitting around the campfire, you know, maybe they've had too much to drink or something, and they're like, what? 
let's, let's make this altar over here out of bronze. Yeah. Get it real hot and throw our child on, our firstborn on there. It's like, well, that makes sense. <laughs> Who, uh, how do you think this thing, I have an idea, but. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, my idea is it's just, uh, you know, from the pit of hell. Yeah. I think they pervert, they don't think, my thinking is there's no new ideas, mm -hmm. and they're perverting what Yah or you were talked about earlier, yeah. what Yahweh says, that we were supposed to sacrifice our, our children to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob his way. Yeah. Well, so, sacrifice means to give them to him. You could argue that they did it with Molech, too, but that's not what God meant. Right. And yeah. it wasn't obviously Yahweh. It was this made-up God. God. Yeah. Because that's what, when Abraham went way back in Exodus 3, Moses says, I'm here to kill your son. Yeah. Or you can do what I told you to do and do the circumcision, and that's the token for this sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So I think, I am answering my own question. I think that they per there's nothing new under the sun. They just perverted what already was. Yeah. Well, you know, it just occurred to me while you were talking, what is this, how do you compare yeah. this to uh, uh, Abraham offering Isaac? I remember, you know, the first time I read that story about God comes to Abraham at night and says, I need you to offer your, your son, your only son. And uh, I thought, what a weird idea. Where did that come from? And the, it's the same. It was, it, was, it was a part of the culture at that time. It wasn't obviously what God wanted, but it was a part of the culture. Yes. Well, I just wanted to comment on that. Um, if you go back to the Tower of Babel incident where everyone rebelled against Yahweh, and he said, okay, fine, you don't want me. You can go off, and I'm going to send you off and divide you up and al you know, allocate you to these specific borders and lands. You'll become separate nations, and you'll be shepherded by these guys, guys he appointed and delegated from the divine council to be their the shepherds over them, who are supposed to be imagers and reflecting Yahweh, but they ended up becoming corrupt, very corrupt. Yep. They couldn't handle it, and uh, they're the ones that thought this stuff up. Yeah. Bible makes very clear that... Uh, they could be a driver of good, but they could also be, they also turn into powerful drivers of evil. Yep. I mean, far beyond what the human sheep could do. They, they were pushing this really hard. Yeah. Uh, they, yeah, they, it was the source of evil, if you will. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, yes. A lot of it stems from worshiping the created rather than the creator, yep. because uh, I believe it was Nimrod who started the whole idea of the sun worship mm -hmm. and uh, we find sun worship in our day even you know I mean people have their Sunday and yeah, yeah. they go and worship and uh, you know and, th and that's seemingly you know it doesn't like seem bad yeah. you know like it's not like people are out and out Satanists or whatever there's a lot of that too, but yeah. you know, it, it, but it's like it's so subtle and insidious. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, I know I was a part of that for years and years. You know, many yeah. years. Yeah, you know, and but you know what I think of it is, I think of it is, it's the the camel's nose in the tent. You know, it's it's not that it it in of itself is that horrible. And I've even had my close relatives say, well, yeah, but we don't attach any of that significance to it. But it yeah. doesn't matter. It's there. You know, it's, it's being done. Well, I just want to mention that this topic about the uh, divine council members becoming bad shepherds mm -hmm. of the nations and being instigators of a lot of this evil, 
uh, the Bible Project has just started a series of videos about that topic. Oh, has it? Yeah, it's very. I'm glad to know that. It's very good, a series of videos on it. Okay, thanks. Let's see if there's one of the other things I want to talk about. Hey, Jerry. Yeah. Can I can I make, go back a little bit? Yes. I, because last week we talked a little bit about a, a verse in uh, 1926 about divination and magic. Yeah. And we didn't really define what divination was, but I read up on it, and it's actually like fortune-telling, soothsaying, you know, things like tarot cards or, yep. you know, um, casting die or whatever. Yep. Uh, but mainly it's like, you know, if you go to like a... Uh, clairvoyant or you know somebody who reads a crystal ball or you know reads tarot cards that's that's basically what divination that's is what it's, divination it's is, yeah. trying to predict or see what is in the future uh-huh I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it ties right into the next next thing and I wanted to talk about that as well the very next verse verse 6 oh. says I will set my face against the person who turns to mediums and spiritists yeah. to prostitute himself by following them, and I will cut him off from his people. Yeah, now, well, a medium or a spiritist is somebody who tries to contact dead people. Really, just well, demons, but... Yeah, the uh, thing I read... That, that's what they're... Yeah, the medium know. tries to talk to dead people. The spiritist tries to talk to evil spirits. Oh, okay, yeah. But, but it's yeah, same thing. kind of the I'm same not, thing. Yeah. And you're, you're right, that's a little different than divination. Yeah. Aunt Aunt Ethel, you're not talking to your old Aunt Ethel. You know? Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it's true. But anyway, that's another thing that God clearly doesn't want us messing with. But like I say, chapter 20 is big on the punishment. So what's the punishment for offering one of your children to Molech? Death, right? And typically this was death by stoning. And what was the punishment if uh, you saw one of your neighbors offer one of his children to Molech and didn't do anything about it? Then you're in trouble. Yeah, well, then you're in trouble. Because you're, you're, says, I will you're to kill that person if you see something. Well, it's not that, necessarily you're to kill him, but you're to turn him in, if you will, so that it can be dealt with. It says in verse 5, I, the, about the person who doesn't report it, so to speak. I will set my face against that man and his family and will cut off from their people, both him and all who follow him, in prostituting themselves to Molech. So, don't be messing around with Molech. <laughs> You've got someone over here, Mike, behind you. I was just thinking about the abortions in this country, mm -hmm. are they sacrificed to Molech? Well, okay. And, and did we turn our back when this changed? Did we turn our back and look the other way? Let me, I realize I'm probably blabbing too much, but there's one other thing I kind of found out that I thought was interesting. And that was, um, have you ever thought about the fact that David, King David, who was arguably, you know, Israel's best king, and God loved him, said he was a man after his own heart, and he was an adulterer and a murderer. You know, I mean, he, was, he did some really bad stuff. And so the thing I was reading talked about, so why was it that God felt like David was a man after his own heart, whereas a lot of these other kings 
Solomon included, he didn't feel near as strongly about. You know, what, what do you say? Wouldn't it be because God heard David's prayers about how bad he was and asking for forgiveness? Yep, yep, yep. So that's, that's essentially was, uh, yeah, what, what is, that's exactly right. What does Pat have to say? Then I'll tell you, I think I, we're all repentance saying Repentance is all. Repentance, yeah. That's the same thing. It's because David never tried to excuse himself. When God said this was wrong, he said, you're right. You know, I, I screwed up. Whereas even, you remember Saul, whenever Samuel came and said what you did was wrong, and Saul had lots of excuses. You know, they all had lots of excuses. We all have lots of excuses. God doesn't like that. And the, what, what David was was he was loyal to God. He never, he never rebelled. He never actively went against him. He made mistakes. He did some bad stuff. But he never, you know, he was always a, a true blue follower of God. And that's what God appreciated. He didn't go after any of these other gods. And so I was thinking about it. If we look at society today, there's a couple of other gods that we can clearly identify that we shouldn't be messing with. Uh, there's um, one from the Middle East that comes to mind. There are other, you know, gods that we shouldn't be. But who's the, the, who's the competition to God these days? Who? Santa Claus? Santa Claus. <laughs> Money's not bad. I think it's us. I think today society is built on this conclusion that we can do anything. You know, we, we can, uh, you know, it's all over the U.S., right? Mm -hmm. We have the ability to fix this. You know, tear down the twin towers. We can rebuild them better. We can do this better. We can, we can have free education for our kids and on and on and on. We can do all of this. We can do this. And they don't even mention God. God's, God has not been replaced with a different one. He's been replaced with no one, or us, however you want to look at it. Or maybe it's just too camouflaged in, in plain view that we don't see them, because just the one that comes to mind is like the Statue of Liberty, mm -hmm. and then is a goddess, obviously, mm -hmm. and then um, driving here, getting behind um, somebody's, their dirt biker or something, you know, they had one of the trailers, and they had all the symbolism, but yeah. a skull and then the wings and, you know. Yeah. So there's active, and then, I mean, opening up a can of worms, I guess, but any of the logos that we mm -hmm. see right now, it's not innocent. Well, they're definitely worshiping, they're, they're declaring who they're worshiping. Well, they're declaring who they're worshiping and they're relegating God, the God, the creator God of the universe, to that class of kind of, you know, not, not too important, things in our life. But I think we're, there is active paganism. There's active well, pagan worship. There is. There and is, we, without and a the, doubt. The companies and the businesses, are, they, they, I don't think it's ignorant that they choose those symbolisms. So the thing is, is that we can't turn a blind eye like, did you say that? I think you, someone said that, right? Um, we need to not ignore that um, well, but it's more than just symbolism. No, no, that's right. But it's the, it's but where you put your right. where you put your faith is right. what it boils down to. Right. And so you're right in some sense because many people put their faith in organizations or the the yeah, organizations that are involved with those symbols, if you will. So but, I think at this level it might be a little bit more ignorant 
but yeah. we're not excused in the sense that we could know. Yep. But I don't know if it's that innocent, yeah. those that are leading the culture yeah. in the direction. And I think that we, Okay. yeah, it's important because those allegiances that we have to companies or to where we buy things, you know, those, I think we feel it's too overwhelming to figure that out, like why, you know, who and, and, and how much money that goes from them where. Yeah. But that's part of, I think, how deep we are into the ignorant worship. Yeah, but again, it's where you put your faith. And, and I think bottom line is we've become so materialistic and so me conscious that we don't give God credit for doing much of anything. And I have a feeling that's not going to last long. I hope not. <laughs> uh, one thing that's been so prevalent in our society lately is these people taking just a few words from a part of the Bible and twisting it to their own satisfaction. Yeah. And we know Yah is not happy with that. No. And uh, just, you know, some perverted stuff out there, like saying Christ is okay with abortion. Yeah. No. No. Yeah. <laughs> and why? You know, why would you think that? Well, because they just take a couple of words. Yeah, that's why I say. That, yeah. And, and so, they have a platform, and there's so many people listening to this, and you know, it, it's scary to speak up against it. Yes. Because they're going to come at you with both barrels yep. blazing. Yeah. And, you know, we just have to be prepared yeah. to stand up. Yeah. I guess you're exactly right. It, it occurs to me that the, the point I was trying to make, and I'm sorry for getting a little far afield, is that it's the same God we've been reading about here, you know, and he hasn't changed. And he, he demands the same kind of attention and obedience today that he did back then. Things haven't changed that much. And so what we see in our everyday life is, is basically he's been relegated to the, non, the realm of the non-important, you know, in most people's lives. And that, like I say, that, you know that can't go on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I completely agree. Like, um, nothing's really changed. Like, as I think you said that, Ecclesiastes 1.9, yep. there's nothing new under the sun. Yep. Um, and as she was saying, talking about how we look at all these, like, it's entertainment, it's, um, branding, it's yep. even like superheroes is a perfect example of like, we're taking things that used to be incredibly, you know, like historically very pagan and modernizing it. Mm -hmm. So it, we're, we're still, it's, it's being reused, it's being recycled over and over and over. Yep. And, and nothing's changed, we're still worshiping the same things, yep. just we think it's different, but in reality we're still worshiping it the same way yep. as they did 2,000 years ago and before. Yep. It's the same things too, it's kind yep. of funny. Yep. But yep. I completely agree, same thing. Good. Thanks. Well, let's go on and get back. Uh-oh, Joe has something. Uh-oh, Joe has something. <laughs> I think it's a culture thing that where uh, I was watching uh, Pat Robertson today, and uh, this attorney from Reagan University defended this baker that he would not make a cake for this same uh, sex couple who was going to get married because of his belief 
and uh, the Bible. Okay, so the, that's noticing Channel 8, 3, where they're pushing homosexuality and the gender thing, and it's a culture. And whenever the politicians enforces the culture or guides it, then that's the thing. Uh, America is, is a uh, opposite. One side does not believe in God, and the other side does. So we're going to have to make a choice, if not now, later, you know, what God are we going to serve? Are we going to serve the God of mankind, which is Babel? Or are we going to serve the God that's in heaven, our Heavenly Father? Yep, that's very well said. Can I get a volunteer then to read from verse 7 through verse 27 of Leviticus 20? I like these discussions. From verse 7, uh, Leviticus 20, verse 7 to the end of the chapter, basically. The end of the chapter. The end of the chapter. Therefore, sanctify yourselves. Hey, put, it, put, put it a little closer, okay. Therefore, sanctify yourselves and be holy. For I am Yahuwah, your Elohim, and you will keep my statutes and do them. I am Yahuwah who sanctifies you. For everyone who curses his father or his mother will surely be put to death. He has cursed his father or mother. His blood will be upon him. And the man who commits adultery with another man's wife, he that commits adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress will surely be put to death. And the man who lies with his father's wife has uncovered his father's nakedness. Both of them will surely be put to death their blood will be upon them. And if a man lies with his daughter-in-law, both of them will surely be put to death. They have, wrought, they have wrought corruption. Their blood will be upon them. If a man also lies with a man as he lies with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They will surely be put to death. Their blood will be upon them. And if a man takes a wife and her mother, it is incest. They will be burned with fire, both he and they, so there is no incest among you. And if a man lies with a beast, he will surely be put to death, and you will slay the beast. And if a woman approaches any beast and lies down with it, you will kill the woman and the beast. They will surely be put to death. Their blood will be upon them. And if a man will take his sister, his father's daughter, or his mother's daughter, and see her nakedness, and she sees his nakedness, it is an abomination, and they will be cut off in the sight of their people. He has uncovered his sister's nakedness. He will bear his iniquity. And if a man will lie with a woman having her sickness, it will uncover her nakedness. He has discovered her fountain, and she has uncovered the fountain of her blood. And both of them will be cut off from among their people. And you will not uncover the nakedness of your mother's sister, nor of your father's sister. For he uncovers his near kin, 
they will bear their iniquity. And if a man will, be, will lie with his uncle's wife, he has uncovered his uncle's nakedness. They will bear their sin, they will die childless. And if a man will take his brother's wife, it is an abomination. He has uncovered his brother's nakedness. They will be childless. You will therefore keep all my statutes and all my judgments and do them. So the land where I bring you to dwell does not vomit you out. And you will not walk in the manners of the nation which I cast out before you. For they committed all these things and therefore I abhorred them. But I have said to you, you will inherit their land, and I shall give it to you to possess, a land that flows with milk and honey. I am Yahweh, your Elohim, who has separated you from other people. You will therefore make a distinction between clean beasts and unclean, and between unclean fowls and clean, and you will not make your souls abominable by beast or fowl or by any manner of living thing that creeps on the ground which I have separated from you as unclean and you will be holy to me for I am Yahuwah and for I Yahuwah am holy and have separated you from other people so you could be mine and a man and or woman who divines by a ghost or familiar spirit will surely be put to death they will stone them with stones. Their blood will be on them. Thanks. Like I say, this is pretty much that same list of uh, sexual no-nos that was in chapter 18. But the difference here is this list includes what, what happens to those that, that do this. Um, so I have a couple questions, I think, there. So, uh, sometimes I get, I don't know whether I like this or not. Verse 7 says, in my Bible, it says, Consecrate yourselves and be holy, because I am Yahweh your God. Keep my decrees and follow them. I am Yahweh who makes you holy. So if you were to put that, paraphrase that in your own words, what would you, what would you say? Yep, we're supposed to be set apart. Okay, I, I went a little, mine said, set yourselves apart from other peoples and obey my commands that you may be used by me. That's what it basically says. And, and that, you know, that's almost all of this. That's what he's basically saying. Set yourselves apart, do what I tell you so that I can use you to bless the other nations. If you'll do that, then all of this will work out and you'll be the blessing to other nations that I told your great, 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 great grandfather Abraham to be. <laughs> all right. Um, so whenever, let's see, there's a, one of the things I wanted to bring up, this, this euphemism about uncover the nakedness of your father, do you, do you remember that's in, that's in here several times, uncover the nakedness of your father, uncover the nakedness of somebody else, do you remember having seen that phrase somewhere else? Where? Noah, Right? Noah, uh, it says, Noah's son Ham uncovered the nakedness of his father. Now, for many, many years, until just recently, I've always thought that that was basically, you know, it never made a lot of sense because why he would come into the tent and see his father naked 
and have that be a big deal never made sense to me. But what this implies is that's uh, a biblical euphemism for having sex with. So um, if the sin that Ham committed was having sex with his mother, um, that to me helps explain why when Noah cursed Ham, he didn't curse Ham, he cursed Canaan. And Canaan was a son of Ham. So I don't know whether that's exactly the, the way this thing happened, but it occurs to me that there's more to this phrase, uncover the nakedness of, than what a young, naive guy might think. <laughs> anyway, so this list, I mean, it makes real clear what uncover the nakedness of means in this list, because it's, these are all the, the unappropriate sexual relations, right? And so what's, generally speaking, what's the punishment? Death, right? And it's usually death by stoning. I was just going to say on the verse 7 and 8 that you asked that it impresses me that Yahweh always sets an example. He says, for uh, you be holy because I am holy. Yeah. And I, that means a lot to me when he asks me to do anything to know that he's done it first. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. And then the, if you, well, let's see, the word holy, you know, it always means this, you know, you get this uh, angel singing in the background and this, you know, pinnacle of virtue and all of that. And that's true, but it also just means set apart. And God is trying to say he's set apart. Set apart from who? Well, he's certainly set apart from humanity, but he's set apart from these other gods is who he's set apart from. Yeah. Yeah, so it becomes really clear that that's why we needed Yahusha's blood, death for us. Because we'd be dead so many times. Oh, yeah. Oh, Hopefully yeah. not for any of these things here. but Well, but, all, no, I tell you what, we can go through these things here and right. identify all kinds of biblical right. stories in right. which this was done. Right. right. So, um, but the other thing is, is, I guess, how many things we are in violation. And like what he said, he said it so much better than I did, right? The idea that even the branding right now and yep. the movies that are there. And I mean, it's just, it's really obvious and I think like you said like when we're when things aren't as obvious they are still yet to be revealed like she's saying too right it all ties it all in it's like it's he's gone before us he there's things we can't understand yet you know we're covered right mm -hmm. until we understand what we're to press in yeah. to keep understanding it but people can go to those movies as believers and never see it right until all of a sudden it's like yeah. Oh my goodness, this is just all paganism, just packaged in, in cartoons. Mm -hmm. And then kind of what you said, but maybe opposite, is um, in, in the process we might think that it's the left that's godless and the right that has God, but it's really both sides have both problems. Yep. So um, on the left, they brand themselves to be godless, but not all people that are... Uh, Democrats or liberal um, are godless by any means, Obviously, right? Obviously, yeah. And then, um, in fact, when I looked it up, because I used to be liberal, when I looked it up, um, this is like 1999, it was almost identical, was believers on left and right. Sure. And so then on the right, the problem is that... Um, they say it, don't the, act like it. Taking the name of Yoa <laughs> in vain, yeah. right? It's yeah. really horrible. I mean, that's just as bad. Yeah. 
Well, there's, I think nobody would argue that society in general, our society in general is fairly godless, the you know, political party notwithstanding, right? So um, I wondered, have we got any, any other thoughts about any of the, um, these sexual sins? I wrote down something. I'm not sure I want to. Well, the one uh, <clears throat> about yes. the incest, the uh, punishment was burning. And uh, I guess, was this last week or the week before Mark was talking about the... Uh, Tamar? Uh, Tamar, yeah. that uh, uh, Judah's first thought was burner. to burn her. Yeah, that would have been the right and, thing. And, you know, I mean, and, you know, in a sense it was incest because it was his daughter-in-law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, yeah, and, and you know, again, to Judah's credit... Whenever, I mean, can you imagine what went through his head whenever he gets brought his staff and his seal and says, your daughter-in-law is pregnant by the man who owns these, and he realizes that they're his? I mean, his first thought, his first thought has got to be... I've been looking for those. Yeah. <laughs> it'd, be, it'd be, I mean, you know, it'd take me a minute or two to wrap my mind around it, but the first thing he said, or the first thing the Bible says he said was, she's a better person than I am. He, he's not saying that she's righteous. He's just saying she's more righteous than me. So That's right. if she deserves to be burned, what do I deserve? Yeah. Yeah. Something That's even exactly, worse. Yeah. You know? That's exactly right. I don't remember whose Tamar's father was, but he was a priest. So she was the daughter of a priest. That's why Judah said to burn her. Uh, Otherwise, it would have been a stoning. Well, I don't know. I think, I think the burning is actually what's prescribed here, but I could be wrong. Well, well it does I, say the adulteresses are to be stoned. You're right. But anyway, okay. Margaret's got something. Thanks for doing that, by the way, Mike. Okay. The, the, I mean, by the way, with Thanks the name Mike, you've got to be the Mike runner. But <laughs> Mike runners don't get near enough praise. What I was going to say is like, like with Judah and Tamar, a lot of times, well, I'm not going to say believer because you can be a believer of something else or this mm -hmm. or that. But um, we say we believe the Bible, but yet a lot of times we tend to be holier than now. Oh, yeah. And instead of considering situations that people find themselves, such as uh, the poor, they've stolen or, you know, they've they're in horrible conditions and they do things out of desperation, um, which I think tomorrow pretty much, but she did I, that. I can imagine it was, it was a that. desperate situation yep. there. And, uh, well, her dad, her father-in-law yeah. had said, you know, my gosh, I lost yeah. two sons with her. She, you know, I'm, I'm not going to give my, my only remaining yeah. son to her as a wife yeah. or as a husband because she seems to be dangerous. You know, that's what he probably said in his mind, yeah. right? But uh, that was the law, and he knew he needed to do it. And I think, again, instead of calling on Yahweh with prayer, which yeah. is the most powerful thing, we tend to just want to work it out ourselves. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah. you know, let's, let's fix this. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Boy, and we, right we fix it, but it, it's in, in, it turns into it's always a bigger mess. always an inferior fix. Yeah. <laughs> So that's what you were saying, right, in terms of us having that idolatry by thinking that we can do it without him or without conversing with him. Well, and so 
what the idea if, if we are feeling like the society is without him then our only solution really is is that prayer to the depth that he's in a, that we go into agreement with him in order for all the corrections to be made right yes, i agree so yeah, but the only problem with that is it doesn't appear to be fun you know what i mean it, it's not going to be much fun this is going to be a difficult time that's what i'm saying mike what? she has an afterthought oh p.s so i've done a lot of praying about this for like decades okay because and i'm still not you know he's shown me a lot but obviously there's still a lot more sure. i i don't feel like i feel the jury's out i don't really feel that even though that's a lot of the people we listen to feel like we're coming up against the end. Um, I feel like we're still missing okay. parts of the word yep. that we that that might be completely opposite. But that's fine, and I can respect that. And I'll tell you, one of the places that I find that uh, particularly meaningful is the story of Jonah, because you know Jonah is a great story when you just don't dwell on the fish thing, which is fine, by the way, but, you know, <laughs> God told Jonah, go to Nineveh, you know, pagan, you know, the king of paganry, go to Nineveh and tell them they need to repent or else I'm going to destroy them. And he didn't want to do it, right? That's why he went the other direction. But he finally, after the fish and all that, you know, he's over there and he did. He went to Nineveh and he told them, you need to repent. You need to repent before the creator God of the universe. And they did. And it made him mad. And God relented, but he didn't relent forever because God knew. You know, he knew what was going to, going to eventually happen. But poor old Jonah, I mean, you got to feel for him because he says, they'll never listen, they'll never listen. But they did. Now, it was, it forestalled the inevitable, I think. So part of what this lesson is and that you keep saying is the idea that we are set apart and that he's called people to be set apart, but we don't see it yet. Throughout the world, we don't see the yeah. testimony. We, we, well, we don't see our influence being uh, manifest, although I think historically we probably have. Well, I think it's a process, right? We were becoming the mature men to the full measure of the statue, okay. stature okay. of Yahusha. Uh, That's what it says, right? That's I, what no, no, all I agree with you. I, I'm just... All are, I was, all I well, was. We are becoming, not that we are. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> all I was uh, saying, reacting is, is it seems like the direction is wrong. I, I, praying is the right answer. You're exactly right. Uh, but we need to be. I, I, I personally would like to see more evidence that we're making progress. Correct, because we're <laughs> being called out, right? Yes. So it's a process, yeah. but that set apart. I believe needs to be manifest, right? We, yes. we will, it must be. Yes. And that it is meant to cause Yasharel to be jealous. Because, and what's gonna make that, them jealous? It's yeah. gonna be the process of repentance and redemption. Yeah. And so, so maybe those are things we need to highlight more or look for more or That's engage fair. ourselves more, especially in prayer. That's fair. I like that. Just the short time I've been around this movement, I've seen a lot more people coming into it mm -hmm. and learning and sharing. And it's great because mm -hmm. 
we're not all on the same level. Nope, not all on the same page, yep. Right, it, it would be impossible to, for everybody to be like that, but we all learn from each other. Yeah. And well, we're not afraid to share. Yeah. And that's what makes it so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Well, know. I agree, I didn't mean to interrupt, but I was gonna say the thing that occurs to me is, and I, I don't feel the least bit bad about this, is God has given each of us this feeling in our heart that this is an important thing we need to deal with. And that's what binds us together. Is It's not anything that we're doing. It's the fact that God's given us all that same feeling. That, that feeling's a little nondescriptive, but that desire to, well, the realization of how important this is. This is important. Well, everything that we've been talking about, uh, God uh, gave mankind is an example of what goes on and what doesn't go on. And so, uh, but the, the culture that we live in now, they call evil good and good evil. And any time that a nation or uh, the country uh, turns their back on what God has said in his Ten Commandments, it's going to be... Uh, destroyed and when, when you uh, look at the, the music the entertainment the literature and everything else it's very much anti-christian mm -hmm. well and but, uh, but Joni's point was that revival is still possible well up to a point of this you know but we I, don't know what that point is no we don't but I but I think is uh, coming from a uh, three years of Bible college in a dispensational school and uh, where reformed theolo uh, replacement theology has taken over 99% of the Protestants. They're getting a wrong picture of everything and if they do get it, they're misinterpreting what God has said in his word. He says, be holy as I am holy. Okay, the first thing you know, how is God holy? And then you go back and say, we're not a holy nation. You know, we can't uh, shake our fists at Israel. You've done this wrong. You've done this wrong. Hey, we're doing the worst things of what they have done. Mm -hmm. So uh, there, there you go. You okay. know, uh, revival is possible, but it come, has come from an individual, not from a group. Well, yeah, through individuals. That's fine. I'm, go ahead. Well, definitely, because the, the whole is going to be made up of all the cells, right? All the individuals. So our body's made up of every single cell, and not, not one cell stands on its own. Can never stand on its own. Does never, your life doesn't depend on one cell either. But the comprehensiveness together is the same body, right? And so we're going to become the mature man. We're going to be a complete body. And we're not going to be diseased and corrupted. We're, gonna, we're being called out. So... So even though we have a lot of problems, and there might be people that think that they replace Yasharel, or that people say all the different things that they say, it really doesn't matter. It does matter, like you said, each of us as individuals maturing up on our own, doing what each of our own as a cell is supposed to do, because each cell has to function properly, because when it's abnormal, that's what creates the problems, right? The disease okay. or that. That's good. I'm going to pull us back, though, because I've gotten too carried away here. I've enjoyed this, though.
Let's go to. I had a good comment, but now I don't remember it either. Oh well, now that I feel bad about that now. <laughs> Let's go ahead and move on to chapter 21. Usually, I'm a little better about staying on point, but this has been fun. I'm not complaining. Um, were there any more comments on chapter 20? Chapter 21. Um, it's titled Rules for the Priests. So it uh, moves us up here in our little diagram. Um, 21 and 22 are specifically talking to the priests and how they need to behave as, as their role. Now their role, um, can anybody tell me kind of what the, the role of the priest is? There's a couple of things. Yes. They maintain uh, the altar, the yep. sanctuary, that okay. kind of stuff. That's right. Their, their job is to take care of the, of the um, tabernacle and, and surroundings. But the main thing I was shooting for is it's they represent God to the people and they represent the people to God. They're the intermediary between God and the rest of Israel. And they also are supposed to teach them the difference between clean and unclean and between pure and common. I, just, I like to reinforce that any chance I get. Meanwhile, back at the farm, chapter 21. 21 is not very long. It's only 24 verses. Would somebody like to just read chapter 21? I'll read it. Okay. So Leviticus 21. Yahweh said to Moses, Speak to the priests, the son of Aaron, and say to them, A priest must not make himself ceremonially unclean for any of his people who die, except for a close relative, such as his mother or father, his son or daughter, his brother, or an unmarried sister who is dependent on him since she has no husband. For her, he may make himself unclean. He must not make himself unclean for people related to him by marriage and so defile himself. Priests must not shave their heads or shave off the edges of their beards or cut their bodies. They must be holy to their God and must not profane the name of their God because they present the offerings made to Yahweh by fire the food of their God, and they are to be holy. They must not marry women defiled by prostitution or divorced from their husbands, because priests are holy to their God. Regard them as holy because they offer up the food of your God. Consider them holy, because I am Yahweh, I, Yahweh, am holy, I who make you holy. If a priest's daughter defiles herself by becoming a prostitute, she disgraces her father and she must be burned in the fire. The high priest, the one among his brothers who has had the anointing oil poured on his head and who has been ordained to wear the priestly garments, must not let his hair become unkempt or tear his clothes. He must not enter a place where there is a dead body. He must not make himself unclean, even for his father or mother, nor leave the sanctuary of his God or desecrate it because he has become dedicated by the anointing oil of his God. I am Yahweh. The woman he marries must be a virgin. He must not marry a widow, a divorced woman, or a woman defiled by prostitution, but only a virgin from his own people. So he will not defile his offspring among his people. I am Yahweh who makes him holy. Yahweh said to Moses, Say to Aaron, For the generations to come, none of your descendants who has any defect may come near to offer the food to his God. No man who has any defect may come near. No man who is blind or lame 
disfigured or deformed, no man with a crippled hand or foot, or who is hunchbacked or dwarfed, or has any eye defect, or who has festering or running sores or damaged testicles. No descendant of Aaron, the priest, who has any defect is to come near to present the offerings made to Yahweh by fire. He has a defect. He must not come near to offer food of his God. He may eat the most holy food of his God as well as the holy food, yet because of his defect he must not go near the curtain or approach the altar and so desecrate my sanctuary. I am Yahweh who makes them holy. So Moses told Aaron this and his sons and to all the Israelites. So this is a pretty compact little thing. So what, what are we talking about here? What, what, why would a priest become unkempt? What'd you say? Dead body. A dead body could do it. What most of this is talking about is expressions of grief. The traditional expressions of grief in this society, and even today, is whenever uh, a close relative dies, they, they, you know, they rip their clothing and they allow themselves, they, they become unkempt. Sometimes they, they throw soot in their hair and whatnot. And it's, uh, if, you, if God's rules about presenting yourself to him in the sanctuary uh, are to be kept, then you can't have that. You know, the, the, you're not allowed to wear shabby clothes or have unkempt hair or something like that. So that's primarily what this is talking about. Marvin? I've got a question. Mm -hmm. It looks to me like this is directed not to all the Levites. It's the sons of Aaron. That's a very good point. Because it doesn't apply to Aaron. Well, he, the, he, it's stricter. For, yeah, for Aaron's. Aaron's is more strict. Right. I was going to point that out. First of all, not... It's certainly true that not all Levites are priests, right? Levi had three sons, Merari, Kohath, and I forgot the last one, Gershon, okay? The priests come from Kohath. So if you're from either of those other two tribes, you can never be a priest, all right? Now, uh, the Kohathites are the only ones that can be priests, and of the Kohathites, the only ones that can be priests are the sons of Aaron, Okay, so Aaron's sons from this Aaron on down are the only ones that are eligible to be priests. And so the ones that, that, that have this first paragraph are his sons. The one that's got the real restraint, and then the rules for them are, for that group is, you, you know, you're allowed to mourn for your mother or your father or your brother or your sister, but nobody any farther than that, right? And for Aaron, it's nobody. Even if your mother or father die, you're not allowed to do this. Yeah, or your son. You have got to maintain yourself in the ceremonially clean state so that you can carry out the, the work that needs to be done in the tabernacle. That's what this is saying. Beg your pardon? Stiff upper lip. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's what this is all about. And so it, if you're... nothing else, it's a, it's a good thing to help keep your mind around who's doing what to whom here. Even when his uh, two sons offered unauthorized fire, he wasn't allowed to mourn for them. Yep. You remember there was a little story we read about there because it looked like he wasn't quite doing the stuff that he was supposed to be doing in terms of offering the sacrifices, and Moses kind of got on him. They didn't eat the, uh, the, the they meal. Didn't, yeah. They didn't eat the, the sacrifice the way they were supposed to, and Aaron says, well, if you'd had some of the stuff happen to me, 
you might not be very hungry either. I paraphrase. <laughs> it's, it seems like with Aaron and his sons, the job is more important than yourself. Yeah. And so you have to, uh, you have to remember that. I think it, it'd be kind of hard because when somebody close to you dies, I remember when my uncle died and somebody went to tell my aunt and she just bust out crying and, but, you know, it's a big deal. normal feelings that you yeah, have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and, and there you always have to be considerate of your office. Yeah, that's and right. And what you have to do and that you're representing Yahweh and you've got to be... Uh, You've got to be in control of your emotions. Yeah, yeah. Your life is really not your own. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I often think about about the the Queen of England. Her life is not her own. Yeah. So then our lives aren't ours either, That's right? right? And so, like you're saying, then as then that example is meant to carry over now. If we are the royal priesthood, yep. Then this taking our thoughts captive and all of those things, you know, all put together a lot stronger mm -hmm. meaning. Yep. So thanks. It's serious business, yep. Joe's got something. Oh, go ahead, Margaret. Well, Melchizedek is what comes to mind. Yeah. Instead of the ironic priesthood. <laughs> so it's a different order. Yes, yes. Yeah, I now think that's where we're supposed to be. Yes. The Melchizedek priesthood. Well, that's right. That's right. But it's, I, don't, uh, I don't know that there's, I guess Yeshua, a lot of the... Uh, a lot of the uh, examples he gave is representative of that. Yeah, I guess we'd have to, that's, that's probably worthy of a study. The yeah. order of Melchizedek ought to be in some way superior, but they ought to have no more um, commitment than, I mean, the, the Yeshua's order, if you will, ought to have uh, the same commitment or more than what we've read about for the Levites, right? right? The, the th other thing about the, the Levites here, this is an earthly um, hereditary thing, an earthly thing. And it wasn't very long before it had kind of gotten goofed up. And by the time they, the priesthood that existed in Jerusalem at the time of Yeshua, you know, it can, there's a strong case that could be made. The only one involved in all of that mess that was legitimately... Uh, a descendant of Aaron was John the Baptist. All the rest of those guys were who knows where they're from, and for sure the high priest got his job by you, know, you with payola, right? Somehow or another, the the uh, the Roman emperor decided it was okay for him to have that job because the the descendancy of Aaron and all the all the tribal lineage that should have gone on there had long since been lost. Well, the priest was a uh higher echelon more or less where I was thinking of the New Testament where it says uh, if you want to be my disciple you can't love your father and your mother and whoever more than me you yeah. have to you can't uh, uh, love one and not the other and it's the it's the sacrifice that a priest has to make and now as you read in the scriptures I don't think there was uh uh, sadness I think there was sadness with the priests but because of their calling 
and they have to do what God says yeah. and not, you know. Yeah. But uh, the Bible gives uh, in the New Testament where it said, if you're going to be my disciples, you're going to have to forsake your family and everything else. Yeah. Well, I don't know if you need to forsake your family per se, but what he's talking about is putting Yahweh first. But anyways, yeah. I was thinking too in terms of uh, the story when the guy came to Yeshua and said, uh, let me bury my father first. And he said, let the dead bury their dead. So yeah. how do you take that? Well, um, we don't know all the details that surround that story. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it could be... I, Yeshua, being who he was, knew the guy's heart and knew what the situation was. If it was, um, I think, this is just my opinion, I think that if it was a, a sincere, heartfelt situation concerning the fact that he felt uh, a responsibility to do that for his dad for whatever reason, uh, I don't think Yeshua would have said that. However, if it was a convenient excuse to get out of making a commitment right then, Maybe yeah. that's why he said it. So and I'm, I'm not presuming and I'm not saying for sure one way or the other, but I'm, yeah. I'm saying that I, the essence of what he said, of course, was right. Right. But uh, I got to believe that God is a, he's, he looks at the heart. Right, because he wants us to take care of our families. Sure. He doesn't want us to yeah, just say, yeah, because yeah, he, he, you know, you're on your the, own. The same guy also talked about how the Pharisees were committing a, a sin whenever they would tell some guy that that thing that you had uh, committed you to, you know that you owed to your father and mother you've made it korban or whatever it was you know it yeah, was yeah. basically chiding them for trying to uh, take stuff from people that really belong to their families so it's been said that it's possible that the father wasn't even old and hadn't even intended to die for sure. Many, 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 many years. years. Yeah. So that's why I say I don't, I, like I say, God, he knows the heart. He knows what's going on. Didn't see anything else. What else? I sure get off in the weeds of this stuff, don't I? Oh, I was going to point out also the, the only guy that really had it tough was the high priest, right? And then his immediate sons had it pretty tough, right? Because they could still do the proper morning, or the, the morning stuff that they wanted to do, M-O-U-R-N, morning stuff that they wanted to do for their mother and father and brother and sisters and sons and daughters, okay? But after that, you get down to, you know, second level, and third level kind of people, people that had limps or a bad eye or, you know, whatever else, and they're not even allowed to be in the, in the tabernacle. But yet they, they still can maintain their living. They still have stuff to do. There's plenty of things to do there. So I guess my point is, is these restrictions apply to a very small number of people. Most everybody else lived their life fairly normally as far as the priests were concerned, as far as uh, people that worked in the temple courts, or whatever that's worth. We still got time. Go ahead, Mike. Well, you said uh, John the Baptist was the, uh, he was an ironic priest? I said, there's a, I've not, I can't recall it now, but there's an argument that you can look at and kind of make sense of that would indicate that he's the only one of that group that could really oh. likely be a legitimate ironic priest. That would mean his father was too then, Zechariah. Yes. yes. 
Yeah, that, now that doesn't mean they're recognized that way. That just means well, that Zechariah was a high priest, wasn't he? No, he wasn't. But he was in the priesthood. Because I thought he went into the holy of holies when he. I don't. He think got so. the vision. I, was, I, I, I could be wrong. You need to check that up. Check me. Check me on that. And so then that was important. That's why Yahusha said when he was baptized, this has to be done for all righteousness because he was the king of righteousness. Yeah. So that was that all was that deep things, those deep things too. And the reason why they beheaded John the Baptist was that reason too, because they needed, they wanted to get rid of him. Yeah. He was trying to hold them to the law. And, and then, then his, the um, collection of the Dead Sea Scrolls are potentially his library and that they had nothing to do with the Essenes. Essenes were 20 miles or so south of there. And that um, all this geography, Bethabara and everything, it, yeah. <laughs> okay, I didn't know any of that, that's okay. But, um, but I, I remembered what I was gonna say, if I could say it now. Okay. So um, when he was saying, when Joe was saying about the um, evil and good, the, that same portion of Isaiah chapter 5 is also woe to those who say let it come so the big warning is so many believers say oh well all of this is happening it's evil's good and all this and you know we deserve it or somebody deserves it and it should just happen but it says woe to those who say let it come so we're not to want the whole disastrous thing to come upon mankind we don't want the end to come we want him to come but we don't want the we don't want to stop in this horrendous place you know we want to demonstrate that we want to do greater works than he we want his gospel of the kingdom i, I to, can't imagine anybody wanting oh I, I but like i said i mean i've he's been opening my eyes for like decades and so like decades ago people would say oh that, I mean, that's where I even get it from. People would say, oh, you know, we're just such a mess. You know, it's just, he, we just want him to come. We just want all this, you know. I don't oh, think oh I know what it is. It's America needs to fall. Well, I don't agree with that. I, no, I, I, I'm not saying yeah. you do, but yeah. I'm saying that happens actually often. That I, I mean, even today, you can hear people saying that, you know, online. Even. Well, you know, I was good. That could be. I was just going to respond to the one thing you said about, you know, woe be to those who want it to end. It also says, even so, you know, Lord Yeshua come. Right. So, so those it's, it's going to happen in its own right. time anyway. Right. Right. One, one way or the other is really not going to matter, you know. <laughs> well, I think it does matter because he, there's so much that's not fulfilled that he's said that we're to do we as can, his he's people. He's got stuff to do. That well, we're to do. That's the huge prophecy yeah. that's not being discussed. The prophetic thing that we're supposed to accomplish in His name is somehow strangely overlooked and well, not emphasized. Okay. Okay. Pardon. Well, the thing is, is in order for that to happen, all we can do is to be obedient. It's not like, oh, I know this thing here needs to happen. I'm going to go out and make that happen. That's exactly the wrong thing to do. No, but that's the same thing to do. If we know what we're supposed to do and don't do it, right? We're supposed to do it. So whatever he's saying we're supposed to do, we do. But we're supposed to be obedient. Right, and okay. that's obedient, right? If well, he says to do it, well, we're to do it. Yes. I mean, not It's a matter of scale is what I'm thinking. I okay. Mean, so, uh, I mean, it's just a matter of definition yeah. of what you might think I'm saying and then what you're thinking, right? <laughs> but really, we're to come into agreement with his word. 
I agree with that. And we're not to make anything happen, but it's all a one oneness with him. Yep. And it'll happen when it's ready, when it's time, right? I mean, I can help. No, 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 let's quit. Let's quit. I was, I was being selfish, wanting the last word. Never mind. Let's move on. Like I say, moving right along. We, chapter 22. Um, I wanted to just do a little better. I felt like we ought to do a little more. We can't do the whole chapter, but we can read a few of the verses. Does somebody want to read some of chapter 22? Okay. <laughs> just when you're getting comfortable. Um, I'd like to read through verse uh, 16. The first 16 verses of chapter 22. And Yahweh spoken to Moses, saying, Speak unto Aaron and his sons, and they separate themselves from the set-apart offering of the children of Israel, and that they do not profane my set-apart name in what they set apart to me. I am Yahweh. Say to them, Any man of all your offerings throughout your generations who draws near See, I lose my place when I read from the phone. Where am I? I'm four? Three. Three. Okay, we'll go to the King James Version then. Say unto them, whoever he be of your seed among your generations that goes unto holy things, which the children of Israel hollow unto Yahweh, having his uncleanness upon him, that soul shall be cut off from my presence. I am Yahweh. What mansoever of the seed of Aaron is a leopard, and hath a running issue, he shall not eat of the holy things until he be clean. And whoso touches anything that is unclean by the dead, or a man whose seed goes from him, or whosoever touches any creeping thing, whereby he may be unclean, or a man of whom he may take uncleanness, whatsoever uncleanness he has, that soul which hath touched any such, shall be unclean until the evening, and, it, and shall not eat of the holy things unless he wash his flesh with water. And when the sun is down, he shall be clean, and shall afterwards eat of the holy things, because it is his food. That which dies of itself, or is torn with beasts, he shall not eat to defile himself therewith. I am Yahweh. They shall therefore keep my ordinance lest they bear sin for it and die therefore, if they profane it. I, Yahweh, do sanctify them. There shall no stranger eat of the holy things. A sojourner of the priest or an higher servant shall not eat of the holy things. But if the priest buy any soul with his money, he shall eat of it. And he that is born in his house, they shall eat of his food. If the priest's daughter also be married, Unto a stranger she may not eat of an offering of the holy things. But if the priest's daughter be a widow or divorced and have no child and is returned unto her father's house, as in her youth, she shall eat of her father's food, but there shall no stranger eat thereof. And if any man eat of the holy things unwittingly, then he shall put the fifth part thereof into it and shall give it unto the priest with a holy thing. And they shall not profane the holy things of the children of Israel, which they offer unto Yahweh. 
or suffer them to bear the iniquity of trespass when they eat their holy things, for I, Yahweh, do sanctify them. Okay. Thank you. So this is pretty much all about one subject, and it's just a review, basically. It's, you know, don't... Hey, you priests, don't be messing around with the holy things if you're in a state of uncleanness. That's pretty much what it says. Okay? And it says if you, if you do do that, then you're going to be cut off from my people. Right? It also points out that uh, the, the part of the sacrifices that belong to the priests are uh, able to be eaten by everybody in the priest's immediate family, even as slaves, if you will. So it's, there's nothing earth-shattering here, unless maybe somebody saw something that, that I didn't. Okay. Thanks, you guys. This has been fun. I wanted to talk about some of these more, oh, I don't know, timely issues, let's call it. So uh, let me pray. Well, Father God, thank you for the evening. Thank you for the discussion. Thank you for the sharing of ideas. Um, I'd ask that you just help us to think on these things. Help us to uh, try to understand your word more fully. Try to understand what it means to us personally. Try to understand the role that you want us to play. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for choosing us to be uh, a part of this uh, grand plan of yours. And uh, we just thank you for all the blessings that we receive and ask that you use us to bless others. Keep us safe until we meet. Uh, next week. In Yeshua's name, amen. Thanks very much, and we'll see all you guys, all you folks, next week.